Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. glad you've joined us for our podcast again. This is Pastor Jeffrey, and we publish a lot of variety of stuff on here, but usually it's the contents of Sunday morning preaching, which I do, and I like doing. I like preaching quite a bit. I've been preaching several years, and uh, Christmas comes around every year, so um, there are a lot of pastors who try and keep it new and hip and do exciting new renderings and interpretations of the eternal gospel story, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> and really, every week I'm, I'm preaching the same message. I, pre- I, I try and mix it up in some ways, but for the most part, I, I know I'm just telling the old, old story uh, that is eternally true and not in need of any help from me to be interesting or relevant. So I told the Christmas story again this year with uh, well, you know, we, we read from the Bible, which is the best way to tell it, and um, I, I talked about it on Saturday night, but we didn't record that. Sunday morning, we did record it, and that's what you're going to hear today, and you know, I thought it was a worthy message. I wouldn't offer it if I didn't think it was worthy, but I, uh, I think there are some very practical um, things to highlight. They're already there. But there are things to highlight uh, regarding our personal faith and how we live it out today between one another and between us and the state. So um, I, I think the Bible just gives clarity about how to navigate through life together as Christians. I don't think it's something that's off to the side and decorative. I think it, it really is at the heart of how we move through the world and um, just navigate things. So anyway... I'll say it again. I love preaching. I love talking about this stuff. I love that I get paid to do it all day, every day, and that's who I am in the world. So, um, you know, if you're willing to just say a prayer, I would ask your blessings upon this church. Um, This church has a a difficult mission field, but we're here to serve it, and that's what we're going to do. So God bless this church, and God bless you for uh, joining with us in our ministry as we attend upon God's Word and let it breathe new life into our lives. All right, that's it. Enjoy. Good morning. morning. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, which you can find on page 993 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy, the joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah was written long before Jesus came in the flesh, and yet this is a prophecy foretelling the coming of the Messiah and what it would be like. It, and it starts with this metaphor of darkness and light. We talked a lot about that last night, how the darkness, we live in a time of darkness. You know, right now, the ruler of this world is Satan. It says it flat out in the beginning of Ephesians. Sarah Beth was reading that to me as soon as I woke up this morning. She said, I was reading this last night. It's a recollection of how we were all born in darkness and sin under the rule and the power of the evil one. But God is not content to leave us alone in that, and he brings us into his light. Now, for the time being, the darkness seems to be more powerful in this world, but this is a temporary state of affairs. One day in all of eternity, we're going to look back on this time and go, I can't believe I thought it was such a big deal. When you have eternity in mind, then the momentary struggles of this life are not nearly as big a deal. And it's very important for Christians to have those eternal eyes so that we can step out of our lives and look at it with that eagle eye view and go, yes, I am struggling right now, but it's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. And one day, by the power of God, these struggles are going to have no power over me. So I might have struggled with something all my life, but I'm only 38 years old. Even if I live to be 100 years old, a hundred years does not compare to eternity. It's just a blink of an eye. The ways of light are more powerful than the ways of darkness. The darkness will fade into nothingness. Light will go on for forever. And the question for us each and every day is how much do I want to be rooted in the light, which lasts forever, or do I want to be rooted in darkness, which will fade away into nothingness, or even worse, disappear into a, a time and place of eternal torture and torment, which is scriptural. I don't like preaching about it because I like talking about the light, the happy, the love, the grace, the mercy, forgiveness. All that is great, but the darkness has power, and that attaches to something eternal as well. And we have a decision to make each and every day. Am I going to be a person of the light or a person of the darkness? And the reality is, without Jesus, we cannot help but be persons of darkness. It's only what Christ did on the cross, it's only his atoning life and death and resurrection that gives us the freedom and the power when we die to ourselves and we're born again in Christ Jesus. That's the only thing that makes us able to walk in light. And it's not I who do it, it's Christ in me that does it. And so that's why he is the center of all creation. That's why he's not just the center of the Bible, he's the center of our lives. But every page of the Bible points us to him, including these Old Testament prophecies. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, sometimes that might feel like where we are right now. That might be me. On them, light hath shined. Father, you've multiplied the nation. You've increased the joy. Joy like in harvest time. Joy like when people divide spoil. You know, we're talking about, you ever been like with a group of people that's just so ecstatically happy? I remember before I came to Jesus, 
I would go to concerts sometime, and everybody, I followed these bands that you didn't know about unless you just really loved them and you were diehard committed, and you'd go to a concert and you'd be surrounded by a hundred other people that just loved this band. It was this form of ecstasy where you're all just singing at the top of your lungs. It's just taking situations like that in life. Harvest, whenever you've got enough food for your village and you have a big party because you know you're going to make it through the next year. Or when you divide the spoils after plunder, and that's not politically correct, but in times whenever people went through warfare, when you were victorious and you got all this free stuff that you could then give to your family, that's the level of happiness and beyond that the Father gives us through Christ Jesus. Because he has broken the yoke of our burdens. You and I are burdened by sin. And this yoke was upon us. We couldn't bear the load. And Christ says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus takes that load that we couldn't carry. He puts it upon his shoulders and he says, just walk, walk beside me. I can do it. You just need to follow. You have broken the yoke of my burden, the staff of my shoulder, the rod of my oppressor. That's what Christ has already done for us. It's already been done. We're not sitting here like the people in Isaiah's day going, when is this going to happen? It's already been done. Christ was born. Christ lived. Christ taught. He died. He resurrected. He defeated the powers of hell and death. Everything needed for our salvation has already been done. And now we get to walk in light every day of our lives. And it's hard. And a lot of days it doesn't go well. A lot of day, Well, you know, how much sense does it make for us to live in light and be surrounded by people of darkness and expect for them to just go, oh, yeah, 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 go ho be holy? No, the world, of course, kicks back against holiness. The world is living in darkness. It's under the ruler of the power of the air. It takes offense to us. And the only thing that allows us to maintain this oppression, to go through this time of oppression and hardship, is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in me. And I'm going to come back to this metaphor that I had a second ago. To follow Jesus and not be in the church is like being married and not going home to your spouse. The whole purpose of what we do here is to be out in the, the rest of the week. We're walking in the light. We are coming in here as, as ang not angels, soldiers of light, people of light to support one another. To just drink in the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word because we're going back out into a hostile world. None of that would be possible if this, if this prophecy had not been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Not currently is, but shall be. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That's the eternity bit. So that's a future prophecy about his coming kingdom. Jesus came and planted his kingdom. Where the outgrowth of that, someday he will return, and all that will be left is his kingdom. Anything outside of his kingdom will be wiped away. These are the days of preparation. So let's prepare. The Lord comes, the Lord comes, and all creation sings for joy. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless God's name. Proclaim God's salvation from day to day. Declare the Lord's glory among the nations. The Lord's marvelous works among all the peoples. 
For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. <clears throat> Honor and majesty are before the Lord, in whose sanctuary are strength and beauty. The Lord comes, the Lord comes, and all creation sings for joy. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into the courts of the Lord. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before the Lord, all the earth. The Lord comes, the Lord comes, and all creation sings for joy. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord has established the world. It shall never be moved. The Lord will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the woods sing for joy before the Lord who comes to judge the earth. The Lord will judge the world with righteousness, and the peoples with his truth. The Lord comes, the Lord comes, and all creation sings for joy. Right before we start doing that, my kids start having a meltdown in the back. You guys did a good job playing through the pain. Y'all pray for my mother-in-law. She's trying to manage them back there. It's not going well. You're going back there, aren't you? Yeah. All right. The guys in the back running things all just put their headphones on so they didn't have to deal with it. You know, uh, there's a lot that we could preach on in here. And just something I want to highlight for a moment was in verse 4. For great is the Lord. In case you don't remember, the Psalter, the Psalms are in the Bible. So this is God's holy word. It says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We live in a, a really confused time where people believe that if they have a spiritual experience, that whatever spirit they're in communion with is God. And so there are a lot of people who will say, I know what the Bible says, but I feel very spiritually about this thing that the Bible says is wrong. Well, I think it's right. You know, I've, I've tapped into another God. I... Or, or, you know, I, there are a lot of people who think that their God is the only God. They don't realize this world is full of heavenly powers, spiritual powers that are in rebellion against God. Even though Revelation talks about it, even though many books of the Bible talk about other spiritual beings that are not in alignment with God, that are not worshiping God. We live in this, at, for a long time Christians in this nation just preach there is no other gods. There are no other spiritual powers, there's only God. And what that meant is... A lot of people who were spiritual but not religious, I don't know if you've ever known anybody like this, that just means they don't like what's in the Bible, but they want to feel holy. They want to act spiritual in some sense. Well, they start communing with demons, and it feels good. And so they say, well, this is my God. You know, this is what I think the God of the Bible is. I think these old bigots in the past got it wrong, 
I've got it right today because I've had a spiritual experience. This is the number one thing I think is wrong with, in case, you know, a lot of older folks don't care, but younger folks, this is what I think is wrong with uh, doing mushrooms and uh, psychedelic drugs and stuff. I think you tap into spiritual realities that you're not prepared for. There's this whole world of, of demons and, and heavenly powers that you are not equipped to navigate. You haven't built up the spiritual discipline, and if you haven't read God's holy word, you don't know who God is, then you're not going to know the difference between him and other demons. There's a whole world of spiritual nastiness out there that the Bible and the church is here to help you navigate. But if you think you're going to do it on your own, I got bad news for you. It ain't going to work out. When it says here, declare the Lord's glory among the nations, the Lord's glorious works among all the peoples. It's not talking about some general bland Lord. It's talking about Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God who made heavens and the earth, the God who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, the God who is only known through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that God. If there's any other God that tries to have fellowship with you, that is a demon that will take you straight to hell. You need to have that discernment. For great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised, to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are just idols. They're fakers. They're pretenders. They're counterfeits. The only true God is the one who made the heavens. Man, mama went back there and she still can't get control of these kids. I'm talking about demonic power and then... <laughs> let's, let's, let's attend upon God's word again. We have our Titus reading. I'd welcome that reader to come forward. It's Titus 2, 11 through what? I don't have my bolt in. Four. Okay. Um, please join me for the reading, uh, which is found on page 1681. We're doing Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. <clears throat> for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. This is the, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. That was short and sweet, wasn't it? And really helpful. The grace of God brings salvation. Do we need to be saved? Yeah. By the way, do y'all remember uh, what Aramaic name meant salvation or Savior? Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior or salvation. I'm going to get you guys. I'm going to drill that in. One day you're just going to be like, let me tell you about what Jesus' name means. I don't know why we keep letting that go. It teaches us, the grace of God teaches us, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. You know how sometimes it'll feel okay to be ungodly and to give in to worldly lust? That's the kind of lies from evil demons that I'm telling you about. It is not okay to give in to, to worldly lusts or uh, ungodliness. We should live soberly. And when it says soberly, it does mean that you shouldn't be getting drunk with alcohol. It also means that you get, shouldn't be getting spiritually drunk. You shouldn't be living in denial. You shouldn't be chasing your lust. You should be sober. And, you know, the, 
We live in a culture that makes fun of people who are serious, but it's important to be serious. Don't take yourself seriously, but take your life seriously. Take God seriously. There's a difference. You know, I, I will rag on myself. I'll, I'll, I, I love a joke at my expense because I shouldn't be taken seriously, but my God should. And uh, I forget which theologian said it. He said, uh, any good dog is going to bark when someone hurt, uh, strikes his master. So don't expect me to stay quiet if you insult my God or my faith. So I, I, I hope that I can be better than a dog in my loyalty to my God. Um, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It's talking about the second coming there. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. So why did he give himself for us? Is it just so that we could continue on in sin and be exactly who we were? And we're special snowflakes. He just loves us so much. No. Child in the front row knows the right answer. He didn't die for us just to keep us in sin. Rather, it's so that he would redeem us from iniquity. That means impurity, sin, and purify to himself us, a peculiar people. Don't you love that term? A lot of people don't like that term because they, to be weird in our culture is bad. Everybody wants to fit in, right? The whole point is we don't fit in. We shouldn't fit in. When we are in union with the God, not of this world, but the God of the heavenly places, then we are going to look weird in this world. We're going to live weird, peculiar in this world. Jesus died to purify himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous means you really want it. You really want to do it. We should be hungering to do good works. We should be hungering to be weirdos for Jesus who are living differently than the lost people living in darkness. Because the people who lived in darkness have seen a great light, right? If we've seen a great light, we should be living differently than the people who are walking in darkness. How is the light making a difference in your life? Is your life a reflection of an otherworldly people that have been purified of worldly lusts, a sober adult life, or is your life still in dark childishness? Only you can answer that. Actually, that's not true. I can't answer it for you, but one day you're going to appear before God's judgment seat, and he will answer that for you. Now is the time for you to discern as best as you're able before that day comes. All right, let's uh, remain standing for our gospel reading today. It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And actually, it's a long one, so go ahead and sit down. I can change my mind. All right, this is on page 1429 of your pew Bibles. And of course, it'll be projected as well. <clears throat> Listen to the word of God. All right, so we read uh, the gospel account of Jesus being born in Matthew last night. This is the other big account, okay? So you'll notice a lot of differences. In Matthew, it follows Joseph a lot more than Mary. Talks about the wise men, doesn't say a thing about the shepherds. Uh, this one fills in a lot of blanks from that one. So, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor in Syria. A lot of people, haters, looked at this several years ago and said, oh, we don't know anything about a Cyrenius. This must be a, a historical falsehood. They just made this up. Well, we found more records. Archaeology found more. And the Bible has been, you know, people throughout the ages have said, oh, it doesn't really check out historically. And then what do you know? We dig up some more rocks 
and uh, it's all validated. So anyway, there was a Cyrenius who was governor in Syria. Verse 3, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Anybody remember what Bethlehem means in the Hebrew? I think I've told you all before. House of bread. Beit is house. Lechem is bread. So I always remember that. It's like IHOP, International House of Pancakes. This is the International House of Bread here. Verse 5. It was actually a small town back then. It is today. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. That's an old way of saying it. I mean, they, were, they were shaking in their boots, okay? As a kid, this was always lost on me. I did not understand what was happening here. These guys, it's the middle of the night. They're just sleeping with their sheep, and all of a sudden, the whole heavenly host shows up. If you don't know what a host is, it's an army, okay, or a, a choir. In this case, it's both. You know, God's army sings and fights. So all of a sudden, in the air, hundreds of thousands of angels appear around these shepherds. You would think that you're tripping, except your other buddies all see it, and you're going, what is this? What's going on? The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were afraid, as anyone would be in such a circumstance. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, that tidings is news, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Not just some people, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So Savior is one who saves from something bad. Christ is a designated, anointed one. And then Lord is a master. The Greek word that we have there is kurios, the one who is in charge. So all these words describe Jesus. Savior, Christ, Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. So there was just one angel. That was terrifying. The glory is all around. Now the heavenly host shows up. I kind of jumped the gun. Now the heavenly host shows up. And they're saying or singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men. So we were just singing that glory to God, all glory in the highest. If you've ever heard Gloria in excelsis Deo, that's the Latin, just singing glory to God in the highest heaven, the one true God. He sits at the top of all the heavenly realms. So that's a, that's a confessional thing. We don't worship any of those other gods, those spiritual realities. We're singing to the one in the highest heaven. Glory to God in the highest, on, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Remember, Christ came into world to save all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should believe in him may not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit loved the entire world. Christ came for the entire world. Now he doesn't save the entire world against its will, but through the atoning blood of Christ, all can be saved. Verse 15, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, 
The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So that just means they, they told the people there what the angels had said and done. Here's this experience we just had. Verse 18, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. This is the word of the Lord. I've been hearing these scriptures since I was a kid. A lot of it, you know, you can't hear it with new ears for the first time. You can try. This year as I read these things, I meditated. The thing that's really impressed upon me is Christ Jesus could have been born to high uh, parents, royal parents, powerful parents. He was born to peasants. He could have been born in a capital city, Rome or Jerusalem. He was born in a little hick town, Bethlehem. Local dignitaries could have been notified about him. And brought to him. Rather, the Lord, the only people the Lord allowed to know about it were uh, people from other cultures in the East, which we heard about last night, and then peasant shepherds. Shepherds were not rich, they were not of any high estate. They were like carnies. You know how carnies are not trusted where they go because they move around from place to place? They get blamed on, uh, crimes get blamed on them because they move along, they don't have a local reputation or anything. That's how shepherds were. They moved around from place to place. They took advantage of other people's land. Shepherds were not regarded highly. They were peasants. They were not generally liked. These are the people, the only people, that God revealed the coming son to that night. What that tells me, here's the sermon, final point I'm ending on today is, it matters how you and I live. The world doesn't care what's going on in Nowata, Oklahoma, or Delaware, Oklahoma, or I know we have people from other towns here world doesn't care about, nobody cares, but God cares. Nobody sees, God sees, and he's the only one who matters. We have a way of kind of saying, oh, it doesn't really matter if I live the right way today. Nobody's watching. Doesn't matter. When God judges me, as long as I've done more good than bad, whatever, he'll let me in. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is the one who lovingly, fearfully, wonderfully made you in your mother's womb cares about you. He watches you. He expects things from you. He has equipped you to do what he has expected. And what is that? To live godly, righteous, sober, pure lives of peculiar people designated for him for all eternity. Other people might not care. The world certainly doesn't care. Jesus wants you to care. He wants us to care about each other. And on my best days, I do care. And I have days where I fall short. But Christ, I remember what he did for me. And I get back up. I remember the call. We should too. As we gaze upon the manger, as we remember the Christmas story, we have to remember this is not just some cute fairy tale. This is something that gives us the highest calling. Because Christ did what he did for us. We do what we can for him. Amen.